With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Alright, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lefko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lefko and Chris Sims. Oh my God, alright, okay. It is episode 50 of the Sims and Lefko Podcast right here on Radio Row in San Francisco. Super Bowl 50. What up? Who was your 50? Put it out there. Uh, well, I mean, I'll let you keep the easy one. Mike Singletary is go. the 50 that everybody knows. I'm going to throw in fellow BR co-worker Greg Anthony or 50 with good the Bulls. Who was your 50? Justin Houston. Justin Houston. Yes, right. Obvious one. Only Man. one of the best passers. Oh, yeah. Football. Fendrick is right next to me. Check hey, it what's out. what's up, everybody? Hey. Uh, you guys forgot about Quintero Frierson on the 2006 Rutgers football team, oh. number 50, one of the linebackers. Man. I don't know how that didn't come before it's Mike so, I'm so glad you're next to us for <laughs> that you. That was an easy one. Well, that's really what I'm quick, here for. I want you to take Fendrick's shot one more time. This beautiful man is Colin McCullough. He works for Bleach Report. He's been a super supporter of, of the podcast, and I love him. I want to do a shout-out. Back to this amazing camera, Pellegrino. Put your wedding ring finger in there. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Dave, I see you back in the studio with your stinky fingers. Not right now. I'm glad that Radio Row hasn't changed any oh, of that. Well, it doesn't matter where it is. Radio Row changes for the Sins of Lefko Absolutely. podcast. So here's the rundown. This is awesome. First, we're going to have Stephen A. Smith. Now, look, all this stuff could change right. because that's how schedules happen. Stephen A. Smith is scheduled to be on the podcast. Second, oh, baby, Charles Peanut Tillman. He was on the Panthers the whole year. Right. So if anyone's going to know the Super Bowl team, it's going to be and I'm sure yeah, he might have picked me off of my career. I need to look that up. He might have got me at Louisiana Lafayette because we played him when I was at Texas really? there, and he might have got me in the pros. I'm not sure. I I'll would look say no, but yeah, check that After out. After him, we are going to have Dwight Clark, Mr. The Catch, right. San Francisco 49er. We're here in San Francisco. Ha-ka-ka. And then the final one is going to be Hall of Famer Tim Brown. So this should be an awesome one. Old teammate um, of mine. First thing we got to handle is uh, you're a diva. Yeah. Uh, me and Fendrick, Fendrick and I, right. got on the plane. You you did your own little plane. You had your own little trip. And uh, what do you think of the hotel? Well, I mean, I, our hotel sucks. And um, our plane, I, I mean, Diva, I went from a first-class flight to I wanted to spend time with my family. And Diva. I went and crammed myself back in coach for the sacrifice of a better dad right there. <laughs> so eat that shit. That, that's how you're calling it? That is. Isn't that how I So show Fendrick really quick. So Sims They curse. can't see it, but I do this have my laptop. This is what laptop. he does, and you guys can't see. So then he writes down the curse and the time. He said shit at 4.32 in the video. <laughs> um, 
How many Super Bowls? <laughs> Look at Cone. He's like, oh. we're crazy over here. How many Super Bowls have you been to now? Uh, that's a. Uh, I think this is my ninth, maybe tenth ninth Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yes, I'm very excited for this one too, because it's my dad. It's Super Bowl 50, and my kids are going. It'll be the first NFL game my kids have been to, and it's Super Bowl 50. So All that's right, cool. so Super Bowl 50. Right. It's funny because for a lot of athletes or media people, like all of you that we're going to have on Bleacher Report this upcoming week, most of them are sponsored. They're getting paid to do it. Right. Your dad could have probably made a ton of money. Yes. But he's not doing anything. No, this is the week where he treats it like he might be playing quarterback in the game this week. So he, what's he doing? Well, he's just going to prepare for the game every week. He's probably going to go to practice every day of each yes. team. Uh, just to continue to get a feel. And I think really he just wants to save all his energy for the telecast on Sunday. Doesn't want to get a chance of being worn down, run down, yes. get sick. So yeah, he's just all in on the telecast. Because no one ever thinks about what the broadcasters have to do. Right. And does your dad get nervous, do you think, for the Super Bowl? I think he does get a little bit nervous for the Super Bowl. I think that's why he cuts a lot of things off during the week, too. He just wants to kind of focus on what he's got to do. Do him and Nance, like, talk about stuff during the week? Definitely. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, I think they're both super excited for it. Uh, and, you know, I think the cool thing about Super Bowl, since you get so much access to the teams, they yeah. feel like they get a lot of under or behind-the-scenes stories, and they get a great feel, like we talked about in a few podcasts ago. My dad knew that the Saints are going to kick the onside yeah. kick, to, kick to start the second Will half. Will he tell you any of the he, secret stuff? He, he has told me before. Like, I knew that Saints were going to do that the night before the game. He had told me, hey, you know, hey Christopher, don't so You're I'm a good secret keeper. Without saying what yeah. it is, do you know anything about what's going to happen in the game? I don't know anything. I've yet to get a rundown from Dad. But Dad, probably today, it'll be the first time he really gets in-depth talking with the coaches. Interesting. And, and then tomorrow, he'll go to both practices. Tomorrow being Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday being a big day for you know preparation. Um, look, I, I want to say something I feel ashamed. I've been called out by my dad and a few people. Really? Was there anyone on the Panthers bandwagon sooner than us? No. I don't think so. No, and honestly, I would even, you know, you say us, but I, I would say you were on it first. I would say week three. You, I were, was all, you were pushing it hard. You're like, Carolina, Cam Newton's the man. Mike Shule, I like. I would say Kayon week Short. five, I was kind of like, damn, Carolina. They're good. Yes. Yet I picked Arizona to be here last week. Yeah, well. You know so, what I mean? Like, the Panthers were like the podcast team all year. I probably talked you out of it a little. Too. Who are you looking at? Who's behind me right uh, now? There's a pretty girl behind you. Yeah. Let's She's, take Fendrick's camera real quick. Oh, uh, no, that's nope, me. Oh, nope. see? I told all right, you. back to us. Yeah. <laughs> I need Sims focused right now. Uh, we're going to break down the game, and of course we have these guests, and of course it's fluid. Uh, it's going to be an awesome week. Um, what, what, what do you got on tap for us, Frederick? What are you thinking, man? Well, I'm watching Stephen A. do this interview behind you guys. If we go back to the main shot here, you can look at him over uh, over your shoulder. Right there, there he is. Yeah, he's right there oh, he's right doing there. his last interview. So here's where it gets a little awkward. When Stephen A. Smith came out with the whole Chip Kelly racist thing, right. Simsy over here was super pissed about it. <laughs> are you going to chicken out? Now I'm going to call you out right here, so now you have to. Yeah. I'll, I'll help you no, bring no, it up. No, no, no. I'm going to have to bring it up. I don't think there's any way I can look at myself in the mirror. But uh, I, I think it, it'll be a nice segue because there's the Cam Newton issue yes. in his conversation. So I think when we talk about that, I can bring that up. Yeah, so of course, I don't agree with what Stephen A. said about Chip Kelly being a racist and all that when uh, 80% of the NFL is African American. I understand. And his top three agents and draft picks were all black. So yes. it's hard for me to justify that. Um, this game, are you still, I know we're going to break it down more later, but I just, I feel super pro Panthers in terms of like what my pick is going to be right now. 
I feel like everybody is. That's a scary thing. I feel like when Super Bowls get so one-sided, that's when the other team tends to show up a little bit. You know, what, uh, what you, you th- get you get motivated. You hear all the talk all week. The Broncos are hearing it. Oh, uh, Carolina's the better football team. All those things. Cam Newton. Yes. Uh, Denver's going to be highly motivated. From what you saw from the media night, yeah. What did you think of that as a player? Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was really cool that they did that last night. I thought it was a great spectacle. I think it was perfect for the NFL. Would they call it opening, opening night, night or kickoff? Yeah. Or opening Super Bowl, night. whatever that that was I think it was phenomenal it was a, I said to you at dinner last night it had a very I felt like UEFA soccer yeah and I feel. thought it kind of looked like the Olympics yeah, you've seen all the athletes out they're there coming out there's a big scoreboard behind them Carolina Panthers Cam Newton and yeah. he's coming out dan- you like just that. don't see football players usually get that treatment I, and I love it's great it's finally it, yeah. we finally have gotten to the the time in professional sports where NFL football players are facially getting recognized. I think that's really just happened within the last five years. Yeah. Where it's become like so I would say before the season, I didn't see any of Josh Norman, and now I've seen Josh Norman's face like a million times. Exactly. It's it's becoming more. I think fantasy has made it a more household, familiar conversation. Uh, what's up, dude? You all right? I'm doing good. How are you? We're just going to do it straight raw here on the Sims and Lefko podcast. Stephen A. The voice, I would say, the face of ESPN. I want to give his plug correct. Stephen A. Smith show can be heard every weekday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM's Mad Dog Sports Radio. But more importantly, this man helped me as a Sixers fan in the Philadelphia Ugh. Inquirer Ugh. learn about my squad and cover it the right way. And I appreciate you for that. Man, Stephen. that's What's torture. Going on, man? How y'all doing? How are doing you feeling? How are you? Great, man, I'm great. I can't complain. You tired? I mean, you can complain. You're allowed. No. I mean, you no. were the. Uh, one of the hardest working guys at showbiz. Well, I appreciate that. Thank Definitely. you very much. Well, listen, I couldn't play. So, therefore, I better know how to do something like, so I can earn a paycheck. I couldn't play either. Who so was playing in North Carolina it. when you went to North Carolina? Excuse me? I went to Winston-Salem State. I was so, who was playing two. in that area? Oh, my goodness. This is 88 to 92. So, you had Billy King and... Those guys at Duke, yeah. Danny right. Ferry. Right. Um, so the end uh, of your generation there, Carolina won the national championship. Was that '92 or '93? That was just after Carolina. You left. Carolina was just after I left. Carolina when they beat uh, when they won in '93 with Michigan. That's right. That's call. right. In the right. timeout call with Chris Webber and right. those guys. Yeah, it was '93. Let me ask you about this. I think it's very funny as the media. A lot of these people they want to go around and meet other media and feel really important, all that stuff. What's the Stephen A. Smith take on the collection of media and Radio Row and all that stuff? Well, I, I like talking to my colleagues because I consider myself one and the same for everybody that's here because yeah. we right. all do right. what we do. Yes, I'm getting paid well, and I'm not apologizing for that to anybody. <laughs> no. I worked hard, I earned it, and, right. and I'm happy about that. But. When you say people look at me and they say I'm a personality, mm. I don't mind that. I only mind when they try to ignore that long before I was a personality, I spent hard. 22 years as a journalist. Right, yeah. You know, right. I was writing for the Philadelphia Inquirer and the New York Daily News yeah. before that. I was living off of tuna fish and Kool-Aid writing for the Greensboro News and Record and working in Archdale, North Carolina. Yeah. I pounded that pavement. I did what I did. I got promoted nine times. I elevated myself to, uh, or got elevated rather, to a general sports columnist. And at the time in 2003, when I became a general sports columnist, only 20 black men in the history of the United States of America wow. have been general sports columnists, right. having the license to give their opinion about sports. I was number 21. So when you look at it from that perspective, I didn't get here by accident. I didn't get here overnight. Yeah. I worked for it. But that also elevates my level of appreciation for what all of us here right. does. And the, I don't mind the respect 
I don't like to be quote unquote revered or celebrated by my colleagues gotcha. because I look at it like I'm one of y'all. This I feel is what the same I, way. I do the same thing y'all do. But yeah. when you were coming right. up the ranks, who was the guy that you did have on a pedestal or that looked up well, to? Was there the, anybody the Mike, the... the Mike Wilbons. Right. Bill Roden. Sure. The late Ralph Wiley, God mm. rest his soul. Right. People like that, man, because they were where I wanted to get to. Right. And the John Saunders, who works at oh, ESPN yeah. and looking at what he did, I was a, a huge Howard Cosell idol. Yeah, you know, sure. I loved me some Howard Cosell. Oh, right. You do you know, do but, a good Howard Cosell? impression at all? Uh, you know, the only thing I would tell you is this. When I watched Monday Night Football yeah, right. back in the day, it was on ABC. And you know, now, that, now, that, now that I make a little paper, you know, <laughs> you think about investing your money. And I used to remember how it goes to halftime highlights brought to you by Merrill Lynch. <laughs> a breed upon. Uh, is that where you, you, you put your money, your money in Merrill that. Lynch? So I right. think, well, I think it, it ain't there. It ain't there. <laughs> the people that are super successful in this industry, I call it white walkering. I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones. But I don't. I just started that. I actually downloaded it on my iPad literally five minutes ago. So what happens ago, is there, there's this group, and when you turn to a white walker, your eyes roll back into your head. And I think the best people in our industry, you kind of black out and words come out in a form and fashion that are incredible. And I think you are the best white walker out there in the media. <laughs> so, of course, we were watching the Porzingis video Freaking because I think you had the passion. But you're at the temerity, the unmitigated gall, the disgusting <laughs> proclamation. When you go hoodwink, bam, it just comes out. What is going on in your brain, do you think, I when am, the words are flowing I, like I that? I am... What I pride myself on doing, I'm a, I'm a product of the television generation. Sure. So if I watch you, I have to look at you mm. and believe that you mean what you say. You don't have to be right. Right. Because no one is right all the time. No. Right. But I have to look at you and know you mean it in order to continue watching you. Right. Gotcha. I won't, and so when I'm on TV, it's incredibly important to me that when you look at me, you know, I mean what the hell I say. Right. Yeah. I'm not joking. Yeah. You, know, you know, this ain't acting. Right. I'm, I'm dead serious. <laughs> it ain't acting. Yeah, it's, I'm, 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 I'm dead serious. <laughs> and so when I when I did like Porzingis, I never saw Porzingis play. Right. And I never said I saw Porzingis play. Right. What I was attacking and why I lost it is because I'm a diehard, lifelong Knicks fan. And the Knicks obviously haven't won a title since 1973. Right. And I'm watching one team after another win, and I'm getting more and more disgusted. And then Phil Jackson comes, and there's supposed to be hope. And they throw a season. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. This is not a part of the plan. What yeah. is this? And then when they drafted Porzingis, it wasn't that he could play or couldn't play. We were told by Phil. It was the concept it's of a, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a project. Yeah. He may be ready in three or four years. And I said, right. Who the hell said we got three or four years? <laughs> you just signed Melo to 122 million. You gotta be kidding so me. So when the words and are so flowing out. Up, when it flowed out, it was my, I was so furious at Phil Jackson. Yeah. If I wasn't a professional journalist, I was a fan, I might have threw something at him. Oh. Because that's how ticked off I was. Because right. it was like, Would you, you know, wanna stare there real quick and, and say an apology to Porzingis? No, I already, I already did that on first take. I don't need to do it here. Yeah, that's right. They know, they know, I, that know what I said. I said. I said Porzingis is the real deal but He's I don't owe him an apology because I never said he couldn't play. I didn't know. Phil Jackson told Phil. us mm. we had to wait three to four years. And I'm like, well, then why the hell we signed Melo to 
222 million. Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. You can't do that. So when I saw Porzingis play, I'm like, thank God he could. Yeah. You know, now we have something to build upon to make New York an attractive landing spot sure. for potential free agents. And that was my concern. I think what's really interesting is the perception of someone Porzingis. It was this concept of this foreign player, and man, we haven't seen that pan out. And I'm going to transition that to Cam Newton because it was, oh, black quarterback. That hasn't panned out. We have been championing Cam Newton on this podcast and on Bleacher Report all season long. I, I still can't believe that people are debating him. It doesn't make any sense in my mind in terms of what he said and the power that he can have on this pulpit because he could be here many, many more times. What kind of presence do you think Cam well, could have? Can I say this part, too, just with this, the Cam Newton conversation? Because I do think race plays a part of it. And I didn't always agree with your take on Chip Kelly with the race and Deshaun Jackson and LaShawn McCoy. I, I kind of actually thought that was a BS when you did that. But I do think in the Cam Newton situation, it does play a part of it. I would like to hear your take on that. Well, let me address your yeah, second go ahead, address point it. first. You can, you can kick my butt any way you want. No, don't worry about yeah. it. I respect it. I don't have a problem with yeah. anybody who differs from me. Right. Here's my only problem with the whole Chip Kelly thing. Yeah. What ticked me off, right. pissed me off about the media with yeah. the whole Chip Kelly yeah. thing. Everybody treated me like I said it. I went on the air and reported what I was told. Gotcha. That's right. an entire different thing. Yeah. Yes. I'm walking in the streets of Philadelphia because right. I wrote for the Philadelphia Inquirer. I live 30 minutes away in South Jersey. That's one of my spots. I was getting a haircut on Spring Garden and 15th Street. Let's be literal here. <laughs> and I'm going to my car and some car pulls up and three members of the Philadelphia Eagles get out of the car right. and, say, we need and say, we need to talk, and gave me the lowdown. Right. I go on the air and I say, look, this, this is, what, is, what, I'm te- this is what they're telling right. me, right. man. And everybody, and everybody was treating me like you I said it. it. Yeah. And so what bothered me about that is, see, that's hatred right there. That's hater. That's haterism, black if that doesn't work. Because here's the problem with that. You see me on TV. You may not like my personality. Right. So you want to misconstrue what I said? Right. Now, I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't right. do that to anybody. Right. I would say, what did they say? Yes. I said what the players told me. Right. And then come to find out, one player after another, all of this stuff is sitting out of the locker room. Yeah. And I'm like this. Now, now where are y'all? Yeah, right. And so nobody sat there and said, nobody backtracked and said, well, Stephen A. did say this, what he was told. Right. And that's where I think, because See, I would never, Sorry. don't worry about it, sorry. I would never ever do that to anybody. Right. I yeah. wouldn't sit there and say, well, you said something that you didn't say. Right. I wouldn't do that. I'm like, I think right, it's hard in, in our headline so, culture these days. But, but it's harder because people make it harder. If you believe in your skill, guess what? I got a philosophy for you, and I would like y'all to hold on to this for dear life. The hell with being first at the expense of being right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be right first. Right, right. Then say what you got to say. Don't be wrong just so you could be first. I want you to get to the Cam Newton yeah, thing in a second. But you're, you're leading into my new show proposal. Okay. What do you think? Second take. It's a well-rounded discussion. Everyone's super calm. I like it. We second listen take. to both sides of the like argument. It. We go, eh, it's I just like sports. It. I would say this to you, though. <laughs> you wouldn't be calm. No matter how calm, cool, and collected y'all think y'all are, you wouldn't be calm sitting, of course, crazy behind Skip all oh, day. Oh, no. I promise you that. Now, <laughs> let me get, like this, now, let like me I get to your do. Cam Newton point. Yeah. Cam Newton is simple. Right. He's a big-time quarterback. He's performed. But he said what he said. And what I would say to people, we live in a world right now. I was born and raised in the streets of New York City. Old bunch of black folks around. Yeah, right. Experienced a lot of different things. Right. I'm here to tell cultures. you right now, 
Most folks, white, black, Hispanic, beyond, God-fearing, decent people, they just want theirs. They don't want nobody. They don't want anybody harmed. They don't want to bother anybody. Yeah. But there's a small minority of people from each community that have their issues with different communities. Yes. Yeah. And when it comes to a small minority of the white community, not the large part, right. the small part, right. who screech the loudest, right. they don't want Cam being who he is because they only want the guy they're comfortable with that acts the way they want to act. Agreed. It's not enough for him to perform. Why right. do people they want, want boring? Ca- well, again. They're used to their quarterbacks out of a cookie mold right now. It could be anything. Brady and Peyton, All I'm saying to you is that from the other side, think about Cam. Were you there? When he had to leave Florida? No. When you there when he had to go to a junior college? Yeah. Were you there when he was at Auburn? Were you there with the kind of things that would say them? Remember years and years and years ago, a guy by the name of Olden Polonese played for Virginia, mm. stole records, and came to Duke to play them at Cameron Indoor Stadium, and they threw a bunch of records on the court. You understand? We all thought it was funny because that was very innovative. We understood because they were getting on him about stealing. They didn't sit there and say, you black so-and-so. They just got on him for what he did. Whereas with Cam, he's saying, some people came at me for who I am without even knowing who I am. And we recognize the difference. It's just a small minority. It's not a vast majority of folks. It is crazy because how loud they are, you get distracted with it. If you were buying stock right now and these were available stocks, Steph Curry stock and Cam Newton stock, who would you buy more of? Steph Curry. Steph Curry stock. Number one, he's more likable. And number two, he'll probably win more championships. Right. And number three, he's probably going to have a longer career. He's assisting in revolutionizing the game because the way he shoots the basketball, you are literally seeing teams try to gravitate towards the personnel that they bring on their squad to try and compete with that. We had this discussion. Steph Curry, is he really popular because he's small? Because he seems, you know, he's a great player and you see great plays. Is it because of his race and the way it kind of is accepting for everybody? What would you say? Race has nothing to do with it when it comes to him. Because of his demeanor, his style. It's so professional. It's so perfect. He's laid back. Yeah. He's not out in your face. That has nothing to do with it with him. With him, it's about his game and the success and the way he's doing it. Because you got to remember, if you sat up there and everybody had to be 6'7 and could jump out of the gym and be 6'7, 6'8, 6'9, 250 pounds, yeah. or Kevin Durant, 6'10 with a 7'6 wingspan, that's not normal. That's special. Yeah. But with Steph Curry, you can sit there just like Allen Iverson to some degree. Oh. You're like, I'm looking this guy right in the face. Right, right. Look at what he's doing in a land amongst giants. Yeah. This is phenomenal. Yeah. That's what makes him different and special. Where's KD going to be next year? I don't know yet. I know at the beginning it was about L.A., but L.A., the condition was, A, I got to, if I lose in Oklahoma City, because if I win, I'm not going anywhere. Right. Yes. B, the L.A. Lakers have to be respectable, and we both know they're not. Yes. And and C, when you look at the Golden State Warriors and the kind of things they could do from a cap maneuverability standpoint, right. credit to Adrian Wojciechowski for Yahoo yes. that, that wrote that today. He's absolutely right. Yeah. They are, Kevin Durant is on their radar. Right. It's definitely something that mm. they would like to do as long as they could keep their core three in place and Steph, Clay, and Draymond Green. And One last thing I want you to do, if you can look in that camera, tell me your favorite Kobe moment. His entire career, everything that he's accomplished, what is your favorite moment? Wow. My favorite moment for Kobe, more so than the 81 points, more so than uh, winning the championship, literally the championship game per se, was when Shaq went down 
against Indiana uh, due to foul trouble, etc. And Kobe was like, I got you. I got this. I told you what's going to happen. And he went out there and did exactly what he told Shaq he was going to do yeah. against Indiana, dropping nice. buckets all over the place to pull out that win and ultimately propel them to their first awesome. championship. You got a pick for the Super Bowl? Yes. Carolina. Yes. By 10. By 10. Carolina okay. By 10. Stephen A., you're the man, brother. Yeah. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it. No it doubt, was awesome. Man. We know you're busy. What was your favorite Super Bowl ever, too? I'm going to ask everybody that. What's your favorite one Pittsburgh ever? Steelers versus Dallas. I think it was Super Bowl 13, but I'm not sure. It was 35 31 when yeah, Jackie Slater. The first matchup. Dropped, when Jackie Slater dropped oh, that was the second Second pass one, in the end zone, right? Or you know, but I was a, a Bradshaw Swan Stallworth lover, right? Yeah, that, that was, was Super Bowl thirteen, favorite. right? That was All my right, favorite. you're awesome. the man. We appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, man. Be Thank y'all so luck. much. Yeah. All the best to y'all. Keep kicking butt. Yes, sir. Stephen A. Smith, man. coming on the Sims Lefko podcast. The he brings the heat. Yeah, he brings the fire. Uh, he kind of fits right with us. There's no nonsense with him. One thing I want to do really quick, Fendrick, what did you think how to go with Stephen A? I thought he was great. Yeah. He uh, he has Carton-level dominant personality where he sits down and starts talking and there's just no stopping Yeah, you're him. not going to stop. You're What's funny right. is, is like with Carton, when I talked about the White Walker, Stephen A doesn't White Walker. He does not. I do hope that we get to meet him again at some point after he watches Game of Thrones so that we can see what he thinks. Do you really think I, he's watching Game of Thrones? I think he's going to. He said he downloaded Game of Thrones. Who the hell cares? Jeez. It's a great show. (laughs) I like one one. I know. You like one one. Your favorite character. (laughs) Um, All right, so we got Charles Tillman coming up in a little bit, Dwight Clark, and then Tim Brown. This, I think, is kind of our opportunity to actually break down the game in our podcast setting where we feel really comfortable. Um, What is it going to take for Denver to win this game? Give me, like, the perfect scenario for a Denver win. Yeah, well, I think, as you and I have talked about it a lot, I mean, the the perfect scenario is they're going to have to get some off-schedule, turnovers, big plays, if it's off of reverse, if they can formulate a big play-action pass down the field, I really think that's their only chance to win. I mean, like we saw in the AFC Championship game, they got the short field twice. That's how they got two touchdowns. The same the week before against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, So I just don't think if the game plays out as a normal NFL football game, there's no turnovers, I have a hard time believing Denver can win that kind of game. Uh, But Von Miller gets a sack fumble and recovers it on the 15-yard line going you, in. For Denver to win, you return. need the Carolina offensive line to kind of not be at their best. Right. Which you need I don't Von even know. DeMarcus around the edge. Yes, which is, again, I think one of the, the underlying things about this game, it's really hard to pass rush Cam Newton in that offense. Uh, and, and I've even talked to, you know, I know I've said it, but I've talked to some coaches who have played Carolina. Yeah. And it's one of the first things they say. You just you have to be so respectful of all the things they do in the run game. Yeah. It's hard for great pass rushers to say, I'm going to get wide on the tackle and go get them because you have to respect those stakes. So uh, I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. Denver beat the Patriots right. on four plays, and I said this yesterday. Yeah. Uh, the C.J. Anderson run that put them in a field goal right. uh, situation. The bomb to Emmanuel Sanders that led to a field goal right. as well. And the two man-on-man Jamie Collins double moves with sure. Owen Daniels. They capitalized on every opportunity yes. they pretty much had. Yes. Offensively against Carolina, we've been saying all year that Carolina runs a lot of zone. Right. So the opportunities for the Emmanuel Sanders Demarius Thomas lob ball might not be there as no, much. No, it might not. Do you think that Denver's offense 
will have success. Like, what do you think their game plan should be against Carolina? Yeah, well, uh, you know, as I've said in a lot of the stuff we've said all week, I really think they got to be careful, especially early on, about it's almost like playing Seattle two years ago. They got to be careful about no big, deep dropbacks early on. Don't make right tackle or that offensive line have to pass protect against Carolina, who's run over everybody they've played. Uh, I think early on you run the ball. They do a lot of quick passing games, maybe screens, things like that. Get Peyton in a rhythm. Get the offense going. Get them used to the speed of Carolina. Because yes. I think the one thing that's – Carolina's uh, – hey, they're better on defense than I even gave them credit for going to the playoffs. I think the one thing that's going on right now in both games we saw in the playoffs, teams got on the field with Carolina and they were like, holy cow, they're bigger and faster than they looked on film. Right. And which is another parallel, I think, to Seattle two years ago when they were in the Super Bowl. I think Seattle was one of those teams you watched on film, you're like, oh, we can beat them. And then you got in the field with them. And you, and you see go, what K.J. Wright looks like Yeah, in right. They're a little Cam Chancellor. Michael like, oh, Bennett, They're a little yeah. different on film. Right. So uh, I think uh, with with that, they got to be careful early. Short passing game. And they're going to play the same way they've played yeah. all year. It's not going to be – if they win, it will not be pretty. They've shown that they can just gut it out, play physical football, and win a 20 to Okay, so if you're Carolina, we were talking about this, and you right. were saying that they need to mix it up a little bit, more passing and all that. Do you stick to your roots, pound the rock against this incredible run defense yeah, right. Denver, or do you take more chances? Like, how do you how do you balance your identity with a game plan? Yeah, well, I think it's tough. I think the other thing people take for granted in the Super Bowl matchup is the two weeks of preparation mm-hmm. and the motivation that goes in with that. And I know you and I have talked about that, but you talk about, like, the Denver Broncos. Okay, all they've heard about is Carolina, Kansas. Cam Newton coming downhill. They're powerful. Uh, they're going to run the ball on you. They've run the ball on everybody else. So they, of course, are going to you know cross every T, dot yes. every I as far as the run game. It's the Super Bowl. You've had extra weeks to go over all the different formations and what kind of run plays they like yeah. to run of those formations. I was going to say, what yeah. do you think Peyton's Defense doing? Defense has the advantage in these games is what I'm saying. Okay. I always think well, Denver the, has the best defense. Well, and Carolina is really good too. I, I mean, know it but is yes, really good. I'm just saying they have the advantage against the offense, regardless. I do. I really think that because the offense can only change so much, but the defense gets to be well rested. Now the defensive front and forward speed and power is they're ready to go, and they're over all over some of your maybe little tendencies you have that have been like staples to your game plan all year. What do you year. think Peyton's doing with two weeks to prepare? Yeah, well, How I, deep of a dive do you think he's going into film uh, and tendencies and stuff like that? I think that? they killed it last week. They probably have 98% of their game plan done. And then this week is going to be Peyton's going to just – they're going to continue to watch film, and he'll find little nuances to say – uh, you know, man, I keep watching this, you know, free safety, will weak linebacker blitz, and I think if we run this and this on them when they do it, yeah. we might gash them for a 25-yard completion, whatever. So you start to tinker with some creative ideas on how maybe now we can find a few cute little plays to s- screw with their schemes. Really. I, think I, I think I asked you this during the week, yeah. but how much Panthers film is Peyton Manning watching? How, yeah. many, how many games is he watching? I, I, I mean, with a game like this, I would imagine Peyton's going to watch – I'm not going to say all 16 games. I think he's going to watch parts of all 16 games. I bet you he's going to watch anywhere between six to eight games of where he feels like there's a common opponent, right? He might go is back to Is he deciding last, that or is yeah, the coach deciding him, him and the coaches are probably, hey, they run an offense similar to us. They like to do the same things. We have their personnel similar to us. Let's see how Carolina played them. He will go back through this year to find those matchups. He will probably go back to last year, too, if he feels like, you know, because it's the same coaching staff in Carolina. He might go back to see if he can't see a few little signals they do when they blitz, whatever it may be. 
Uh, Peyton, as you know, he's crazy. He's going to try to find is, any flaws. Is Peyton incredible in that he knows what to look for or that he remembers everything? Well, both. I think it's both. I mean, you, you, you always talk about my recall. Yeah, you have ridiculous recall. Right. You, you have a recall where I'm pretty sure that you can name every Super Bowl yeah. and the score of almost every right. Super Bowl. Right, and I can stick- But you're also like, you'll see a still image of a play and go, oh, so this is the second quarter, blah, 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 blah. Right. It's an out and up over here. Like, you can just see that. You're telling yeah. me Peyton's that times what? No, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to say he's that much greater than me than that, but he's, he's very good. <laughs> the one thing that always jumped out at me about Peyton's career is I love watching Peyton's post-game press conferences because it was literally like he had has the, the – freaking TV right in front of him and he's playing back to play. They're like, hey, what about that third and eight in the third quarter? And he's like, well, they brought the Will corner blitz and uh, I checked for this protection and the Mike linebacker was looking at the 11 o'clock instead of the 1 o'clock so I threw it right here. Yeah. I mean, he's amazing at some of the things I would hear him say and go, well, no wonder he's awesome. The game is like a slow motion movie picture with Peyton Manning. It is crazy. So he sees every little detail. Um, so we've talked before about his legacy and all that stuff and whether or not he's going to retire and all that. I guess... Like, so if Alex Smith can be a quarterback in the NFL, and let's say Peyton does learn how to do, like, the game management thing. Yes. And he doesn't have to throw the ball, the ball that down the field. And let's say he doesn't have any turnovers in this game. Like, yeah. Why can't Peyton play for another year or two? If if there are guys in the NFL that are Ryan Fitzpatrick and Alex Smith, yeah. and Peyton Manning is like a million okay. times more advanced than them. He is, but is he better than Alex Smith right now at this point in his career? I'm not sure if no. I'm willing to say that. Right. And, you know, okay, he's also, we're, we're taking for granted, he's on maybe the best team in football. I mean, that's the other thing, too. So... But if they if get all comes, the guys back? If he comes back, right, yes. Can he be a game manager once again and then maybe get back into the same situation playing the same? Yes, they're talented enough to say, yeah, they could probably do it once again. But does he want to take the beating? Does he want to always be the blame when the offense isn't going through all that stuff? It's a lot, and I think this was a big culture change in general with Denver and Kubiak and Elway being there, and he's really the man, and you're not Peyton yeah. Manning. It's John Elway's building. He runs the show there now. So I think all those things, and, hey, at the end of the day, man, the guy has taken so many hits. He's a true soldier. I just can't imagine his body wanting to take much more. Top three? Top three, yes. I, you know, you, I said it last week. I think, I mean, I, I would take Peyton Manning over Tom Brady. Yes, I would. I, Tom Brady's awesome. I'm, yeah. But, yes, I would. I think all in all. It, it, I'm not, we're not talking, sure, I'll take Tom Brady if I can have Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. Right, right. Yeah, great. But if you want to just go player for player. How do you think Peyton Manning and Bill Belichick would get along? Oh, I think they are best buddies. Yeah, I really do. Peyton Manning and uh, Bill Belichick, it's always been talked about at Pro Bowls. They go and have private dinners together. Really? Yes, they are buddies. Did you ever hear Belichick comment on Peyton when you were working at the facility? No, I never did. Uh, we That was Peyton's first year in Denver that year. No, and I wasn't always privy to those kind of meetings either. I was the bitch boy, so they were like, yeah. this is an important meeting, boy. Get out of here. Yes, but you think <laughs> uh, that he definitely... I think he has a tremendous respect. Bill went and found Peyton last week. Bill only goes and finds, like, five people in football. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one. Ed Reed was another. Peyton, he's only – those guys to him are – did it the right way, super talented. And he looks at him and goes, man, I've come up with the best game plans in the world to stop these guys, and yes. I can't stop them. Yes. And those are the kind of people he respects. Because I've seen, I've seen Bill Belichick and Ed Reed. They have that connection. So right. it's the cerebral players is really what you're telling me? Yes, a little bit. He knows they're fully invested. Uh, that they really understand the true Concepts aspect and, yeah. of the game, the whole game, and uh, yeah, the way they approach it. Bill has great respect. Bill, like we've always talked about on this podcast, Bill has more personality and 
player-like ability than people want to give him credit for. Let's say Peyton Manning is not on the Broncos next year. Right. Teams are just off the top of your head that you think would want him oh, as their quarterback. I, I don't know if they're so going to Do you think there would be a team that would make a play for him? Well, I mean, if Houston gets stuck in a quandary here once again, are they going to get back in it? Because everyone knows that Houston wanted to sign him last yeah. year. Uh, so, I, I I mean, if they get stuck here again with no quarterback situation, maybe they do. They can't bring Hoyer back to be the starter no matter what. That's going to be the worst taste in that organization's mouth. So, uh, they might be stuck in a situation. Other teams off the top of my head, I know I'm just trying to think of other teams that Browns. have quarterback issues. I know the Browns. Rams. But would Peyton really want to go there and be a part of that? And you know, Haslam. just Haslam. Tennessee. It's Cleveland. It's dysfunctional. I don't know. I think Peyton, if he does come back, he's going to want to make sure he's in a situation where he can He would only succeed. go to a place where he could win. Yeah, right. right. That's the only thing that could happen. Right. Oh, we got somebody. Uh, she's checking out our Bleacher Report. <laughs> That's all right. No problem. We like random drive-bys. Uh, so, I, so I have a story. So uh, I got delivery at my apartment uh, last week, and this dude comes to the door. I haven't told you this story no, yet. No, you have not. And he goes, he goes, here you go, man. Bo- bo- Bleacher Report? And I go, yeah, man. He goes, oh, man, no sh-. Dude, th- man, you funny, man. You funny. And I was like, thanks, man. He goes, you know what? I love Simmons, too. Tell Simmons I said hi. I said, I will tell Simmons that you said hi. I, hey, Bill Simmons, I am good. Yes, I am. <laughs> Simmons. I don't, yeah, yeah, that's... that's. Uh, Gruden called me... Uh, well, everybody called me when I got drafted by the Bucks. They called me Phil Simson. Yeah. Simson, Simson. So Gruden used to call me Simson. That's what he Samson. called me. Yeah. He was Simson. He would say Sims. He goes, oh, you know, your last name's Simson. Hey, That's give me credit right now and tell everybody out there that it's kind of warm in here. Bad boy and a little cold. It might be warmer in here than it is in our no, studio it is, normally. No, it is a little warm in Thank here. You. I, I agree. Good. Um, All right, so let me give you a quick update here on the Sims Leftco podcast. Charles Tillman, he's got a torn ACL. He can't make it back here. So you know what, Charles Tillman? See you later, pal. We got the man, the myth, the legend, Dwight Clark. Yes, you know him from the catch, but let's be real. Two-time Super Bowl champ, 87, retired because, yes. But I saw this on your Wikipedia page. <laughs> Starred in the lead role in the 1994 oh. direct-to-video comedy Kindergarten Ninja. You need to get one of these people. What? Yes. I know. Let me I didn't get, know that. What was that, even, what was that movie about? What was yeah. that movie about? The catch I to was, Kindergarten Ninja. I was doing martial arts at the time. Right. Really? And this, uh, the guy that was my instructor asked me if I would do like a video to um, include all the students in the school and then they would sell it to the parents yes. and raise money for, I think it was D.A.R.E. Okay. Drugs, yeah, sure. Drugs, drug. awareness. But I remember yeah. as a kid in D.A.R.E. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Dare. Yeah. Right. So they raised money. So I did it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Low budget would be an understatement. <laughs> When's the last time you've seen it? Is it out there? Um, I I think I've only looked at it once, and then it was and then like, you're like, oh my I God, destroy them again. all, destroy oh my them gosh. all. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't know how many are out there. But yeah. That's an interesting question. Oh, I can't. I, when I saw the line, it was worth <laughs> so funny. All right, first football question. Yeah, we're wanna, talking ball. Yeah, here, I, so. I want to go right to, I, I, you know, in your day, you, Chris Collinsworth, I know, you know, James Lofton, you were bigger receivers. You know, right. what's now? You look at receivers. What do you think of the talent crop out there in the NFL? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, man. right? I mean, yeah. I mean, these guys only use one hand to catch it. I needed crazy. two. Well, what if you had those, those gloves? Those are a little fa- unfair, are they, though. Are they, they are. The you need to try them out. Yeah, they're a little ridiculous. You catch everything. Yeah. And, and plus, the, the DBs can't even 
contact them too much, right? Right. You know, so after right. five yards, they can't touch them. Do you look at that every, at any time? Because I look at it as a fan, and of course, my dad's career, and I go, well, I mean, yeah, his numbers aren't as good because it, you know the rules were different. Right. Do you ever look at receivers now and are you know I don't want to say jealous, but you go, it's a little unfair what I had to go against compared to the rules they have set up for them now. Oh, dude, I was just happy to be on the yeah, team. You know, I right. was, I was a tenth round pick. Um, I got to play with Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Eddie DeBartolo was our yes, owner. Right. And, and it was a cool era. Ronnie Lott, Bill Wall. I mean, come on. Yeah, it, I know. It was, I was just happy to be there. Right. Um, I got to play in two and win two Super yeah. Bowls, yeah. worked there for three more. So I got five Super Bowl rings. Man, I'm a big I can't believer. complain at all. Yeah, I hear you. And I'm a big believer. Your 84 Niners team is truly one of the greatest teams of all time. I agree but with But never you. gets talked about. And, 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 yeah, I mean, it never gets talked about because the Bears were 15-1 and one the next year. Right. But you guys were equally as dominant. And I know Dad always says <laughs> that 84 Niner team, he says, is one of the best teams he ever played against. Yeah, that was, in my opinion, that the 88 team was pretty good, too. Right. But the 89 team... I think, I mean, the 84 team was, they were really good. The 80, I mean, yeah, 84, the, the, you were 15 and 1. 89 right. was the 55 to 10 Denver Broncos blowout. Okay, yeah, help me. Yeah. I, I've, I've so, been hitting the head too many Yeah, sorry, right, I have too. <laughs> uh, I want to talk good. to you about that first Super Bowl because we were talking, when you put Super Bowl winner in front of your name, I think it changes things a little bit. Totally agree. So you see Joe Montana, you're there, he wins his first Super Bowl, right? And of course, your path to that moment. How did the media and people treat Joe differently after he won the Super Bowl? Because the quarterback is where all the blame and the glory goes to. How did they talk to him differently after the Super Bowl win? Yeah, I don't know. That, it's hard to say, but definitely with more respect. Yeah. I mean, they definitely saw this guy's no fly-by-night quarterback. He right. can get it done. He. First of all, he wins games in a magical way. Right. And he's uh, in the biggest moments. He plays the best. Yes. No interceptions in any Super Bowl. MVP three times, 4-0 in Super Bowls. Right. You put him in a Super Bowl, and he'll find a way to win. Right. I mean, the nothing against like, Colin. Yeah. You know, but no, no, in, I hear in, that, in that last Super Bowl, right. if it had been Bill Walsh and Joe Montana. Yeah, right. 49ers win. I, I hear you. I, I think the reason is just because, like, so Cam Newton right now, you know, it's this much debated guy, but I feel like as soon as he, if he does win the Super Bowl, yeah. it's a whole other conversation. How did your life change when it became Super Bowl winner Dwight Clark? Were people treating you differently? Your autographs yeah. cost more money, that's for autographs sure. Autographs cost more. <laughs> the, yeah, the appearances go from 50 bucks to like a thousand. Yeah, right. We weren't making much. I made, I think I made 30,000 my first year. Holy so cow. It, 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 didn't pay you a lot back then so <laughs> Super Bowl was I think Super Bowl winners got 35 right right uh, that was a big deal yeah. I know I know I, I tell him that all the time it's one of the great things even now because I think the Super Bowl winner now gets like 85 and that's a lot for some of the guys making their minimum or whatever it is yeah it's right. an incentive to play extra hard right it's crazy I mean, paid Manning's taking a pay cut in this game but yeah exactly <laughs> his commercials have made up for it he's okay oh exactly but you know I'm a I'm from Charlotte so Carolina's my home team right I know right what is has it been like? I mean, do you still have family there you the that are Clemson experiencing? this year. You got Carolina, right, so it's a good, good year, year for you, man. right? Yeah. And plus, I'm a huge, huge Peyton Manning fan. Oh, I, yeah, I think like, he's an unbelievable ambassador right. for the NFL. Sure. So if he wins, that that could never be bad. 
And and if Carolina wins, that great too. Mr. Richardson, the right. owners of you were just awesome you dude. were just talking about Montana, and you were talking about the magic. Right. And everyone likes to compare quarterbacks, and that I feel like is the Montana argument. Is look at his record in the big game, and there was just something special. And I feel like Peyton is kind of the opposite. It's very cerebral. It's very planned. It's very meticulous. Yeah. And no one says, oh, he has the moment. From your perspective, as a huge fan of Peyton, as someone that played with Montana, how do you go? How do you start the conversation of comparison? Yeah, to me, it's just it's impossible because I was not very good. Joe Montana, I, w- I caught 11 passes my senior year. Joe Montana made me a Pro Bowler, mm. uh, Sports Illustrated Player of the Year. Yeah. Because of Joe Montana, Bill Walsh in that offense. Right. I mean, it it wasn't really. I mean, I knew how to get open and sure. I could catch the ball. Right. But. Joe Montana is the greatest football player of all time, oh, in my, my opinion. I like that. Okay. Yeah. That's... So it's hard for me to compare him to any quarterback. Right. I know, I know what he's done in that huddle, settling what guys down. What was he down. like in the huddle? Well, yeah, give, me the give me a story. I mean, if he needed to – I mean, if Freddie – he would yell at Freddie a lot. Freddie Solomon. Because Freddie Solomon right. might run the wrong route. If Freddie got open, he would just take off, you know, raise his hand. <laughs> right. And Joe would get ready to throw. He's like – <laughs> but uh, so he would maybe jump on Freddie a little bit when he needed to. He'd jump on anybody if he needed to. Yes. Tell everybody to shut up. Right. Or, you know, he was the field general, no doubt. But when he needed to be calm, like the John Candy yeah, story, where John he calmed, Candy yeah, and popcorn to, to, right. to calm down Harris Barton, right? He could do that too. Yeah. He, he was a master in the huddle. Well, let me hear your, you know, Bleacher Report. We started here in San Francisco. This is our oh, home cool. base, so right. we have a huge 49er following. Nice. Let me hear, you know, when you think of Bill Walsh and his greatness, what's this first story that comes to your head? Just to to, to throw it out there to our 49er fans. First Bill Walsh story yeah. was Bill Walsh discovered me at, at Clemson. He came to work out Steve Fuller. Steve Fuller was my roommate. Right. And uh, I just happened to answer the phone. And Stop. and Bill says, well, who is this? And I told him, he said, didn't you play wide receiver? I was like, yeah. And he said, could you come and run routes while Steve throws right. so right. I can watch Steve instead of having to catch the ball? Right. So I was like, well, I get a workout and I help out my yeah. buddy. So I had one of those lucky days where I caught everything and I ended up getting drafted by the 49ers. First pick in the 10th round. Yeah. Unreal, man. Yeah. I mean, First unreal. Pick in the 10th round. We, we yeah. talk a lot about Bill Belichick just because we're fascinated with what he what great, he does and the structure. Yep. Um, from what you've heard about Bill and what you experienced with Bill Walsh, is there similarities? Because the story I always hear about Bill Walsh is he was more than willing three years before someone began their decline to go, I need to move on. Right. And yeah. we, we think of Bill Walsh as this sweet man, but he was also callous. Oh, absolutely. You know, so when you hear all this stuff about Belichick, is there a similarity there from that experience? In, in that example, absolutely. I mean, Bill called me in my last year and, and he said, look, uh, I don't know if you're going to make the team or not. But uh, if you do make the team, we want you to take half salary. So he was, yeah, he was, he was he cold-blooded was, he when was it cold came blooded, to the right. Would the players football. in the locker room be like, man, Bill, Bill, Bill might cut me. I don't know. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Did yeah, you they, know back they then would know Bill would. Like when you were playing? Because Eddie was your owner. Eddie DeBartle was pretty cutthroat himself, which I think is what made Walsh even more cutthroat maybe. Right. Did you know Eddie was cutthroat as well behind the scenes as a player at that time? Eddie's tough. Yes. And cut, but Eddie is unbelievably generous. Right, right? I, I know. I mean, this this guy is one of the greatest guys ever. 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 I, I, mean, I saw you one time at one of his parties in his house in Tampa. Right, I don't right. think I... He, right. he said hi real quick because yeah. I was 
was playing for Tampa, I was right, down there. Right. But yes, Mr. DeBartolo is one of the all-time great people. Great. Yes. And, and it was the, the teamwork between Bill and Eddie right. that made all this happen. So right. that's why Eddie DeBartolo, one of the many reasons why Let's Eddie Let's talk DeBartolo about how this is happening. What are you doing with Chevron? So uh, Chevron Stem Zone. Uh, Chevron's very dedicated to uh, STEM uh, education. Right. So uh, they've got a STEM zone over here in Super Bowl City. Cool. So uh, a lot of interactive things. You can come over, and they've made it interesting because it's it's about the science of football. Gotcha. We've, we've even got a little video out that shows the science of the catch. And you can go to ChevronStemZone.com uh, okay. and learn more about the catch. But okay. Very cool. You know, they, they're trying to get the word out to kids and encourage kids to maybe take on a, a STEM uh, career, which is science, technology, um, engineering, and math. Gotcha. Right. Like the way I remembered that. That was yeah, great. There you go. That's, that's, that's constant tough. education that's, right uh, there. It's tough on the, all these uh, concussions <laughs> I've had. Yeah. Uh, my last question for you before we let you go is I'm always fascinated when something happens happens in a person's life that they're known for and then everyone asks them about it. I want to guess how many people have asked you about the catch and what is the question you're asked the most about the catch? Um, how many people think you've asked you about the catch? It's countless. Yeah. I millions? Mean, it's the number probably one thing probably you always have to talk about. And then right? what's the number one question you get? Was he throwing it away? Right. Yeah. Right, because there was always that rumor that he was really trying to throw Do people it away. throw things over your head to see if you can catch them? <laughs> Just like random things? I can't jump anymore, But it was bro. sprint right option, right? Yeah. That was the play. Red I ran it. Slot, red, right, right, I ran it under John Gruden, so I right. knew it. And then you're just staying available in the back end line, right? So he prints, sprints out. The guy in the flat's not open. You're running the curl route, right? And if Joe looked at me, I was supposed to slide back across. Right. I couldn't see Joe back there. Right. Because <laughs> too, too tall Jones was over, all over him. Right. And, and Harvey Martin. And, right. And so, you know, Joe lets it go out of that mass of humans back there, got knocked to the ground. How high off the ground did you get, you think? And I saw, I'm going to take this. (laughs) Don Cheadle did a commercial about the playoffs one time, and he, he comes on, he's on a ladder, and he's reaching up, he said, Dwight Clark jumped 11 feet to make the catch. So I'm going with 11 feet. That's Don amazing. Cheadle said it. That's yeah. amazing. We'll going I am 11 so happy you grand. made that catch. <laughs> I am so happy that you had success because you seem like an awesome guy. And thanks, I'm really man. happy we got to meet yeah. you. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks for having awesome. me. Yeah, Enjoy all this. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for talking about Chevron. I want to see your ring there. Oh, that's, good idea. Yeah, that's yeah. the. Oh, man. Which one is this? I'm kind of lucky. This is the first one. And I played in two. We won two. Right. And then I was in management for the other three. So I have all five. You are the man. Way to go. I would wear them all out. In the same yeah, night. I, I can't same fit night. them on my fingers anymore. They're all beat up. They were one of the first to go all out with the rings, yeah. the Niners and Eddie. They, oh, they Eddie did it. No Eddie expense. does it. Everything's no the best. Expense, with right. Eddie really? Bartolo, right. everything's the best. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, you are the man. man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Great meeting you. Yeah, yeah, you too. Dwight thanks. Clark. Everybody. Yeah, thank you. Oh, my gosh. How are you? I'm just always creeping on you guys. No, we appreciate it. Uh, we're going to keep this boat rolling because yeah. we got a man with a gold jacket. Thank you so much. Very nice meeting you. Um, there are very few guys that. No, 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 no you, you get on you right here right in. now. There What's are very up? few guys right. that can have success That's in Adam a ton Lefko. of different decades. We have done an interview before. Josh Fendrick. Josh, we call him Mother Hen. Mother Hen, Mother Hen yeah. producer Josh. He's keeping us in track. I mean, a member of the 1990s all decade team. 
when you can assume and you can get the nickname of Mr. Raider, yeah. I think you've done something right. And you see the gold jacket, a Hall of Famer. Yes. <laughs> Tim Brown, man, how you feeling? I'm good, man. Good how many things? That, how many of these have you done already today? I can't count them, bro. Uh, man, we started at five thirty. I saw you this morning <laughs> yeah, on ESPN already. So uh, yeah, we've been you rolling. I woke up with you, Tim Brown, ex-teenay right here. There, there you go. I was a young idiot, and he was the old <laughs> smart guy coming in. Wiley vet. Knew the offense. Of course, he had been with John Gruden and really one of my biggest claims to fame is he's a Hall of Famer. He mentioned me in his Hall of Fame speech. That's right, yes. Which is that's one right. of the, that's a highlight for me. Uh, but you are the man. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, it was man. great, man. It was great. It was a, a soft place to land, Ooh. you know, coming to Tampa. So that was uh, that was big time for That me. was cool. What was it like for you in that Tampa Hall of Fame team? ring right here? Look at that. That's what you get? Bam. And that's what you're doing for K Jewelers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, K is official jewelers of, uh, of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They actually made my wedding band, too. I can't, I'm sorry, sitting in black, man. I'm sorry. That's all right. I can't get away from it. I understand. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I try and tell my wife, this ring is the most important. But she says, this ring is the most important. You better be careful with that one here. Check that out. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Uh, Other thing is, does the Hall of Fame give you a hard time about putting, like, K Jewelers on their jacket or anything? You You know, know, they they haven't as yet. yet, But I did see one of the guys look at me a little funny. First thing I thought of this morning. We may have to talk about that a little bit. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we actually talked months ago, and one of the conversations that we had was, what team do you think should go to L.A.? Because you were there in L.A. Mm -hmm. And you told me they only want the Raiders. Mm -hmm. And because if anyone's going to have the the finger on the pulse, it's going to be you, Mr. Mm -hmm. Raider. And now we're we're not having the Raiders. We're having the Rams and maybe the Chargers. What what was your reaction when you heard that news? Well, I wasn't shocked about the Rams because the Rams have a history in, in, in L.A. But this thing with the Chargers, I, I can't, I can't understand yeah. why the Chargers got the second, the second shot and not the Raiders. I, I don't, I don't get that um, uh, in any way. But um, you know, and for the Raiders not to, you know, cry about it yeah. is even a bigger deal to me. But uh, so you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the Raiders at this particular point. I know they're trying hard to get something done in, in, um, in Oakland, but the, the fines are just not there. So yeah. you can't, you can't get, you know, uh, blood out of that turnip. You know, it's, so. it's very funny for my generation so I'm 29 so I've only known the St. Louis Rams mm. and I've never known a team in LA it's just wow, never been wow. in my lifetime really or it was when I was like really yeah, really yeah. young football in LA yeah. What was that like? I mean, I mean, I, we, the celebrity of it, yeah, the star yeah. power of it. What, is, what was it like? Well, it was all that. I mean, right. you know, because if um, if you were playing good football, only God knew who was going to be on the sidelines yeah. that, that Sunday. You know. Yeah. I mean, you had all the. I mean, of course, Magic Johnson was was at every game that he could possibly be at. Right. But, I mean, we had all kinds of movie stars because back in those days, the rules were totally different about who could be on the sidelines. There was so no rules. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So right. I mean, you had guys right. lined up from end zone to end zone almost. So, so who are we talking? Rappers, you know, I mean, you know, who are the biggest I mean, names that you looked up and were like, Eddie Murphy's um, at my game right now? I mean, now? back then it was all about, you know, uh, Ice Cube and all Snoop those Dogg, guys, you know, all, Snoop, that, all right, those. It, right. was, it was crazy, you know. Now, if you weren't playing good football, there's nobody in the stands. Right. You know, right. I mean, I tell people it's so funny. You know, last year I had a chance to go back, obviously, with the Hall of Fame and relive a whole bunch of moments. And one of the things I like to talk about was my first time I ever touched the ball, I returned a kick 97 yards for a touchdown, uh-huh. right? Opening game, my rookie right. year. Is that 88, well, 89? 88. 88, right. Mike Shanahan. Mike, uh, Mike Shanahan, yeah, absolutely. Right, right. So the, the thing is, when I looked at the stands, I'm thinking, there's nobody here. I mean, that's back when the stadium said 110,000. Right. right. And I found the attendance 
38,000 people for opening day, wow. 1988 game. You know, right. so you know, look, you know, you wake up Sunday morning, you go beach of football, beach of football, and <laughs> beach wins out sometimes. Yeah, right, so. right. Do you have faith that it's going to go over well with the Rams and the Chargers? What do you think? Um, What's you your know, gut I, tell you? I, I tell you, I don't know how the Chargers fit in. I mean, I don't know how. I don't know if they're expecting their fan base to come up from. Uh, from from San Diego, I just don't understand that. And the Rams have some history, like I said, but there's no doubt in my mind, and the way I see it, that that the real fan base there is the Raider fan base. Right. Well, well I want to ask. I want to ask you a little bit about. First of all, I don't think my generation, maybe the people older than me or maybe younger than me, realize. I mean, Heisman winner. You yep. were the original Rocket at Notre Dame. <laughs> right. I mean, you'd have dusted his mail in a race any day of the week. Uh, and I don't think people realize how explosive you were as a young player before you hurt your knee and all mm-hmm. that. But I wanted to go into like Notre Dame. You win the Heisman. It's Notre Dame. Lou Holtz. Nineteen eighty-seven. We're all buttoned up. It's no Notre Dame, and then you go to the the Raiders with Al Davis, who yeah, loves running games. Room, That's what I mean. That's what I mean. What was that like for you? Oh a, man, that, that freaked me out. Yeah. It freaked me. Right. I walked into the locker room. You know, you're going through training camp, and you know what? You know what happens in training camp? It's training camp. Right. And I walked in the locker room for the first preseason game, and there was guys smoking so and drinking cigarettes. beer. I was like, "What the heck is going on?" <laughs> That's amazing. So I I developed something that day, man. Where after I got dressed, I put a towel over my head because you know I did. You didn't want to breathe the smoke. I didn't want to see, you know. Yeah. Was that uh, a thing that continued beyond the preseason? Was like an all-season thing? No, it wasn't. It was mostly because guys knew they weren't going to play that much. Yeah, right. But it was crazy, man. So it was a totally different atmosphere, no doubt about it. You know, going from, oh, hell, man, full of grace. Ah, you know, guys just wilding out. Pump the music up and let's be renegades. It was crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So so celebrities in L.A., you have a a really good partying story for us that you go, man, there was was some craziness back then in L.A. Think about that ring on your finger. Right, exactly. You know, Thankfully, I, I put a lot of this stuff in my book. So my wife will, will like, oh, I ain't heard that story. Right. You know, well, you know, the thing that surprised me about you know, about the Raider, I mean, about uh, being in L.A. and the parties, you know, clothes were optional at a lot of parties. Interesting. Right. You know, and that it sounds was like, like a great party. Yeah, you know, but, you know, I, I was smart enough to, to turn around. And the one thing that I never did that I, I'm so grateful that I didn't because I think guys are still having nightmares about doing it. Right. Is going to the Playboy Mansion. Uh-huh. You right. never did it. No. No. How many times? No. Why were they having nightmare? Why would anybody be having nightmares? Well, because about they, they were living seven of them days. They had up in there. They they can't get them back. <laughs> it was too good to be right, true. Right. So now they, the brothers having nightmares. Right. Now. I just want that. I just want that moment back so, in my life. No, it, it was it was a totally different. Uh, Carolina, Denver. Peyton Manning definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. We know sure. that. Cam Newton looks like a different level of player. Yeah. Compare him to the quarterbacks that were in when you were coming up, and, and w- just the physical ability of this guy. What is it like for you to watch him? No, I mean there's no one you can compare him to. Right. I mean, you know this guy's six six two fifty. Yeah. I mean I was working for ESPN a couple of years ago when he was uh, a senior at um, at Auburn. Auburn. And I was <laughs> interviewing him, and I'm walking, and I'm like looking up at this guy, like this is the biggest guy I've ever seen. Biggest quarterback ever, yeah, right? You know, yeah. I mean, legs, this man, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, this guy is a beast, man. So I mean, there's nobody you can compare him to. Uh, I don't know how long he's going to play the game. The way he plays the game, he won't play long. Right. But yeah. he's going to leave a, a mark on this league that won't. We comment all the time. No there is yeah. nothing cooler than seeing him run over Absolutely. a defender it's, and then go face thing. to face with a defensive yeah. tackle and go, yes. Yeah. You yeah. don't see a quarterback no. do that. No, Ever. because because they don't have that mentality. First of right. all, and second of all, they don't have that body. Size and strength. <laughs> if right, they had right. that body, they may right. do it. But uh, but this guy, you know, again, it's going to be one 
those little hits that may end his career. And it may happen in seven, eight, nine, ten years. But what he would have done yes. would, have, would have been so incredible that it would have been all worth it. All right. I got two questions for you. Yep. Uh, two-parter here. I mean, Megatron maybe going to retire. Is he a Hall of Famer in your opinion? And then two. Let me, let me give you the breakdown I real asked, quick. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so nine-year career. Right. Uh, six-time Pro Bowler. Uh, most receiving yards ever in one season, almost 2,000. Zero playoff wins. Where, where do you stand with Calvin yeah. Johnson? Um, if it were know, to end. It's a tough one because he's so elite and a and physical he was incredible. freak. But did he well, do it long enough? But you know, that, That's going to be the whole deal right. because there are going to be so many guys if they play long enough. But I, I've always said that I think guys are going to leave the game early because I, I say this football is not a rich man's sport where you can't have 50 million dollars in the bank and go I think I'm gonna go run my head into that wall <laughs> yeah that's right, I, right. you know I, I think you get to the point where you say okay I mean I've done risk, what I need to do for my family reward, right. you know and I, I put a mark on the league that I'm good with you know that's gonna be the difference between guys in our era yes because we we were making money, but we weren't making this yeah, kind of right, money. Yeah, right, right. So we can chase the legacy a little bit more than these right. guys can. And I just think, you know, somebody's going to be like, you know, Man, you got $50 million in the bank. You yeah. need to chill out a little yeah, bit. Right. And once that gets in your head, it becomes impossible to get out. Man. So yeah. as someone with a gold jacket, would you be supportive of Calvin having one? I, I have no idea what his numbers are as far yeah. as, you know, right. where he is. But certainly this guy's left a, a mark on the league. But the problem is going to be if guys in this era keeps playing, the Julio Jones and those guys, oh, right. and they put up some Antonio crazy numbers. Brown. It's going to be it's going to be tough to say you know because he decided to walk away from the game. That's our last one because I know you got to go. But the the, the that, that's what I want to ask you about modern day receivers because yeah. uh, I asked Dwight this and I always feel about this way with my dad. But like I, it's bullshit. The, what the receivers get to do now. I mean, you'd right. have an extra 5,000 oh, yards God. in your career if you right. got the rule benefit. So, you does know, that bother you? It doesn't bother me because I, you know. Yeah, I know you're the man. <laughs> I'm sitting you, you're you're right. right now. But, <laughs> I got a gold you know, jacket. <laughs> I have this ring. Certainly, you know, it's. Uh, I just hate when people say, "Oh my God, he broke Jerry Rice's record." Well, let's let's put this whole deal into yeah, right. Into let's look at the whole you know, picture. Yeah, yeah right. let's look at inflation. If, if they threw the ball 26 times a game with Jerry, right. and 46 times a game with with Megatron. Yeah, so, right, you know, right. if Jerry had an extra 20 shots, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. you're his right. numbers would be astronomical. So, you know, I think from that standpoint, man, um, you know, as long as people put it into perspective, it doesn't bother me. But I'm never going to get rattled about that to, you know, to make a comment about it. But, you know, as long as the young guys know where they are in yeah, the history right. game, right. that's what it's all about. I'm yeah. going to give you this back. I appreciate, appreciate it. That. You were the man. Hey, Congratulations thanks, on all your it. success. Yes, sir. Thanks, you're thanks, awesome. Man. Appreciate the, the time. We'll see you soon. Hey, Tim Brown, awesome. He's going to keep going we are going to start wrapping up the podcast well what do you think mr fendrick i'm having a blast before we go we got to pick the super bowl though oh yeah of course you have won the pick segment by the way okay that is let's get fendrick on camera really quick can we get fendrick on camera fendrick can you please say that again right into the camera so it is it is official after both of you picked the games both championship games wrong last week lefko has won the pick segment what's so funny is i almost went the opposite picks last week it's over myself a chance so lefko you are 64 and 35 yeah sims you are 62 and 37. Next yeah. year we're picking all games. Next year we're picking all games. Yeah. That's, Hold on, but really quick, can I just get on camera quick? What's up? I beat Sims back to back years in the pick segment. It it's it's really like a moral victory. I don't really care. It's like I beat you. you me I am beat the more me. I am the more me. refined version of you. Yeah, you're I right. take your information, <laughs> I put a nerd perspective on it, and right. then I do better than you. Right. Yes. Let's make your Super Bowl pick. Look in the camera. Who do you got winning the game? I got. 
What did you guys fucking say about me, you mother? Uh, I'm picking Carolina. So unnecessary. 2420? 2420. I think that was the number I picked in our videos. Yeah, 2420. I'm going to beat you uh, up. Like Carolina's going to beat Denver up. I'm going to say this, that my my head tells me, and that my head's been wrong the whole playoffs. My head told me that Arizona no, we was going to beat up Carolina. Two weeks ago. Relax. I know, but like, but the big games, like I thought Arizona was going to beat Carolina. Okay. I thought that uh, Arizona was going to throttle Green Bay. Hardest games to do, though. I, I believe that I really think Denver is going to keep it close. Right. And I do think Cam is going to experience some problems with Denver's defense yeah, for the sure. first time in the playoffs. But I just I do not see Denver's offense. I think they're the weakest unit of the four units. Yes. Offense, defense, offense, defense. I think Carolina, I think this has been the year of Cam Newton. I think he goes 18-1. and one. I think he wins the MVP. MVP, Super Bowl MVP, 18-1. and one. I think that this is the year of Cam. And this is the year of Dab. And I'm so happy that we were on it and we weren't afraid. Yeah. And I want to I want to say thank you to all the Sims and Leftco podcast supporters. It's been great. Um, thank you so much for subscribing on iTunes. Thank you so much for tweeting with Fendrick on the Twitter account at Sims and Leftco. Uh, follow me on Snapchat for the whole week. I'm going to be just doing neat stuff with me and him. And we're going to have tons of athletes that we're going to be trying to put up stuff on Bleach Report from Antonio Brown to Joe Montana to Archie Manning. Some crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed episode 50, our golden edition. Uh, Fendrick, why don't you say goodbye? See you later, everybody. Sims, give the to the lose. Peace out, homies. Uh, Pellegrino, let me see that stinky hand. Ah, oh, super stinky hand. Adam Lufko, we love you. Cam, oh, Steinmetz, oh, Johnson, oh, Paul Kaplan. Take Fendrick's camera really quick one more time. Look at all the bleach report. That's and Matt In Miller. honor of Nelson, I got to give one shoes just for Steven back home. Oh, Tina. Hey, Tina. Uh, Steven Nelson, we miss you, and we love you. And shoots, brother. Sims Lufko, we're out.